Hello, and welcome to In All of Us Command. I'm Kate. I'm Aaron. And we will be learning about national anthems. Each week, we choose a new country at random, we learn a little bit about the country, and then we listen to their anthem. After listening, we will rate the anthem based on several criteria and see how they all stack up in our humble opinion. Now, we don't want you to think that because of the title, we're huge fans of O Canada. In fact, we plan to dunk on it pretty much constantly throughout the show and do not expect it to finish highly in the rankings at all. We're going to be talking about Iceland. Yeah, I'm really excited to learn about There's this. There's some cool stuff here. It's also, the anthem has like a, his, a history, okay. an actual story. Sick. And we know one or two things about the people who helped make it happen. And so I'm pretty thrilled that we get to get into that at the end. Um, also, I was researching this. And you know when, when you were done, when you were finished Palestine and you said you wanted a country that like gave you a break kind yeah. of from all the complicated political so you should have you should have got iceland oh too bad for that because it had remarkably few human rights violations and <laughs> overall like there's i mean a little bit of shitty stuff because there always is but it way less shitty stuff than we had definitely in some other episodes i mean instead i got moldova where there was a whole like holocaust section to it yeah which was not as fun as you're making. You've been making this sound like it's going to be our most fun, least depressing episode yet. I kind of think it might be. Slash maybe ever. Maybe ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. It's it's entirely possible. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Fun thing to start off just for you. Iceland is an island nation. Yes. Yes. And I knew is. that. I knew that so <laughs> confidently I didn't even bother saying it. I should have made the prediction. <laughs> I think maybe some people would have called you on that one. Um, so it is an island, but it's a very cold island, unlike some of the warmer islands we have visited previously. That's true. It really has only been warm island nations thus far. Yes. Yeah, so this is a cold island nation. It is all like one island, one country. There's no like different countries on one island none of that yeah um it's located between the norwegian and labrador seas kind of in between greenland and norway and kind of also the uk yes i think i thought was interesting and like this is i also like i kind of knew this but i kind of didn't um it's not relatively speaking that far from newfoundland no, it's not. Which Maps are cool. really wonky around that whole area in they terms are. of projections. <laughs> and we don't look at them that much to really think about it. No, but for, for whatever reason, like, also I understand Greenland is phenomenally larger on maps than it is in actuality. Oh, that that's probably true. Uh, so I think that whole sort of area of the North Atlantic has some weird funkiness going on in terms of map projections. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, it gets weird up north, but the history is quite interesting. Um, so Iceland is thought to have kind of like come into being around 70,000 years ago with the eruption of an underwater volcano. So Iceland is located sort of on top of what is known as the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, 
which cool. I didn't know about. Do you know about the Mid-Atlantic Ridge? No. Okay, so it's basically a huge, one of the longest in the world, mountain chains, but it's underwater. Cool, so okay. So we don't see it yeah. ever, and people don't think about it that much. My understanding is that some parts of it are above water, but for the most part, like, like 90% is underwater or something like that. And it's it basically runs like along the tectonic plates, so there's a lot of stuff happening there right it's, a lot of like seismic activity yeah, and volcanic a, activity where you and, go if you want to see a volcano cool. or you want to see an earthquake like that's where you that's where it's happening um it is nearly sixty-five thousand kilometers long which i thought was pretty incredible um and there's actually the what the one website i was looking at described it as there's a couple of other underwater mountain you're talking about the, well. the North Atlantic Ridge. Yes. Okay, I was like, the, there's there's no way <laughs> no, Iceland is 65,000 kilometers. Iceland. The mountain range, the underwater mountain range, that it, it runs like connected with some others, like basically like a, like the stitches on a baseball around right. the earth. Okay, it, yeah, it, yeah. It kind of helped me picture what it maybe looks like. There's also a big like crater down there that gets a little bit wider all the time. Okay. It's like a centimeter a year or something. Sick. It's not much but it, it's moving it's moving um i think it's easy to forget that although like we've reached a certain amount of stasis in the world and the shape of the world but also kind of we haven't it's still moving and changing and I mean, islands are still you know kind of arriving yeah we talk about processes like erosion in the extreme past tense not yeah. because they're over but just because they're so slow if you <laughs> search enough online like there are people tracking erosion in all sorts of places and like where water levels are rising and where it's eroding away stone and whatnot and like you can find that information being tracked from year to year and probably even more detailed than that yeah. it's just most people don't no. care to look like I know this because I think like a high school geography teacher tossed off this information and I like retained it for whatever reason. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting. It's, I think, something for geography nerds. Though. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And I'm sure there are experts somewhere. If you're listening, tweet us. We'd like to talk to you. <laughs> um, but I think like they're obviously everybody is studying everything. Yeah. And I mean. Climate change also is going to impact this in other ways. But regardless, still stuff is moving and changing. And I thought it was cool that Iceland wasn't. And then it was. Yeah. Because there was a big old volcano eruption. Um, that's pretty cool. I'm also thinking about with this always the um, some episode of the Magic School Bus where this happens. I think. I don't know if you were a Magic School Bus kid. Yeah, for sure. Um but I, I don't, don't remember anything like that really happening, though. I think there was a volcano episode, I but I don't really episode. remember what happened in it. I thought they talked about the islands, but I could be wrong. Anyway. Um, it's so even like stuff like that, obviously not on this sort of epic volcanic scale, but even like the Toronto Islands, I understand, were once a peninsula and like rising yeah, water true. levels and a storm turned them into <laughs> islands. And now here we are and they flood every year. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so because Iceland is so isolated and because it's an island also, there really was no indigenous population. Okay. It actually had to be like discovered 
end quote, like settled in a way that I don't hate myself for saying those things, um, which is which is kind of cool. Right. Because um, obviously the, this volcanic burst that created the island didn't contain within it indigenous people. <laughs> it did not. It did not. And they did not arrive by other methods, boats or anything like that. Right. And it um, wasn't around in time for like the whole Pangea thing. Yeah. It's yeah. too recent for that. Um, Do we have any estimate on like what sort of geological era this would have happened? The the eruption? Yeah, like the forming of Iceland. What I read was 70,000 years ago. Okay, cool. So that's, yeah, that's incredibly young in terms of the age of the landmass. Yes, yes, they talk about this. I think it's in some ways a matter of pride. I was reading one of my sources uh, that I didn't really end up using that much, but that I thought was going to be really good at the beginning was a page that was a cent- like was telling the history but was using it just to promote Iceland as a tourist destination. Okay. So it was they were pushing an agenda <laughs> that had nothing to do with the information I needed. But um yeah, they were talking about how young the the land is. That's really cool. As a thing. So that's kind of interesting. Um it was Discovered and settled by Vikings, um, probably around 870 to 930 in the Common Era. Okay. And we have actually a couple of documents about this, which is pretty incredible. Um, There is something called the Book of the Icelanders, which was written around 1130. And another document titled the Book of Settlements from about the 12th century. This sort of details all the folks who like came and settled and how all of that happened. So it was written after the fact but is still like more information than we have a lot of places yeah. about the sort of movement of people and immigration and demographics. Not a primary source, but like a fairly close secondary source. Yeah. 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 And there's some interesting stuff too about the Icelandic language that I'll get into in the fun facts um, that will also kind of make this even more important kind of. So um, mostly Mostly the people who come and settle in Iceland and like set up their lives and live there um, are from Norway and also some Viking, some Vikings and some settlements. What now? Sorry, I wrote a very bad sentence. The people come from Norway, also Vikings and also some folks from the UK. Um, And probably it's from the sources I read that people knew about Iceland before it was sort of officially inhabited. Okay. I think it's not that welcoming of a place. So I can see how you might see it and be like, ah, look, a frozen rock, and then just keep on yeah. going. Because what is there for you? Really so maybe a, a couple rock? people had done that before it yeah. actually got settled. Yes, yes. Um, so supposedly there was a Greek explorer who actually wrote about an island called Thule, uh, which he specified was a six days sail from Britain. And so they, they think maybe that was Iceland That's that he was talking cool. about there. Yeah, but then no one lived there. Um, and also there are some early sources citing Irish monks who actually lived in Iceland and then the settlers from Norway came around and the Irish were like, nah, y'all are heathens. I'm getting out of here. And they left because they didn't want to fight that war, I guess. (laughs) So it wasn't like a conquest, but basically because the Irish people were like, you, you will beat us. Yes. Okay. And also you are a godless people and you don't stand a chance. Um, Not forever, but at least at this moment. Um, So the early settlers following this were obviously polytheistic. They worshipped about 40 different gods, some of them who have made their way into our sort of cultural 
narrative Thor and Odin. Right. Being, these are these are those classic yeah, Norse gods. Some of the popular guys. Um, the early political system is a little bit complicated. I'm going to do my best here. Essentially, there's no royal class, but rather there are chieftains called Godar, singular Godi or Godai, I am unsure of this, um, who make decisions at annual assemblies and sort of nominate judges to do the legal stuff. Okay. Um, average folk have to belong to a chieftaincy, but no one really cares which one. So there's a law that says you have to belong, but you can leave and you can join another one. You can also get kicked out and join another one. It's not really that like firm where you have to be. And so while this is sort of more democratic than some early political systems, um, especially we've seen, it's usually kings. We see a lot of kings. We have seen a lot uh, of kings. That, so this is sort of, sort of a democracy, but women and workers don't really have a role yeah. in this. You have to be like a sort of important man to be doing anything here. Um, the source I used specified freed or enslaved workers, quote unquote. So it seems that they did also have slaves in some capacity. I think that's um, pretty standard for a lot of these Norse cultures. But it's, it's pretty standard. Yeah. The Romans did too, right? It's kind of a long-standing. I mean, I'm I'm not like endorsing that, it. I'm no, just saying, it like, it sucks no matter what. But a lot of people were doing it. I I think that's that's sort of the cultural milieu for these Nordic yeah cultures around there. Main takeaway: don't enslave people. <laughs> um, at the end of the 10th century, Norway who is kind of the, the closest sort of cultural ally yeah. that we see to Iceland, obviously with the geographic proximity and what, um, they officially convert to Christianity. And then missionaries start visiting Iceland, and they are incredibly successful in converting most of the population okay. um, to Christianity. And that is still very much, I think, a dominant thing there. Um, it doesn't honestly cause that much of a ruckus. Some places we see there are these huge like wars over religion and missionaries and that doesn't seem to really happen people are just like yeah all right that seems okay we'll be christians um and it really sets the tone for religion going forward um so things at this time are are like pretty good overall iceland it turns out is a great place to raise sheep and cows and so they make a lot of cloth from the sheep fibers and the wool and they export all of that which i thought you would find interesting yeah. um big sheep destination <laughs> Love sheep destinations. Yeah. Um, I have actually used a lot of Icelandic wool. Yes. It's something you see. You see the sweaters all over the place and they have yeah. that that knitting, that like Nordic knitting. Yes, stuff. for sure. Those mittens. What am I? There's a name for it that I those can't Those kind of right triangular now. mittens. Yes. Yeah. Those ones with the pointy tips. Um, however, okay. So in the, in the 13th century, Norwegian royalty get it in their heads that it would be a really good idea to unite all the Norwegian Viking settlements. <coughs> At the same time, the Icelandic Godar are having a bit of a bloody power struggle of their own, and Norway sort of persuades them to join as well. So Iceland kind of mostly willingly becomes part of Norway. Okay. It is... They're not independent... It's complicated. The relationship with Norway... It often is. ...is complicated. Um, it seems that they did this mostly just to restore peace on their own land. It was so bloody and so out of control. They were like, no, we just want to stop this. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to give this one to Norway. Um, however, they 
do keep sort of separate in their own way. They keep their own laws, and most of the rulers are still Icelandic. Okay. Um, so while they are technically part of Norway, this isn't like some of the colonization we see where it's like the iron fist over the little guy. Not as much. That it's Not as much. The Icelandic ruler, like that I find is a big point of contention in a lot of these relationships mm-hmm. is if the sort of in-charge nation will allow the the lesser nation for the purposes of this discussion yeah. uh, to have a native ruler, then they will be a lot more willing to listen because the the messages being passed down from on high are being passed down from one of their own. Yeah, and that, I think, reads a lot better to the public and even to the other politicians and yeah it it does i think it it keeps morale up in in a way that it might not yeah definitely definitely there have been a couple times where we've gone like oh they got to keep their own rulers for a little bit but (laughs) that was too "Mm." much freedom so (laughs) actually no and it's always the british too being like you know we thought that was gonna be fun and then now we don't think that's true anymore so sorry so um, it's it's good to hear that they got to keep that because it's such a common trend that that's like the opening promises and then it always gets yeah. taken away. Yeah, it's true. Um, so then Norway and Denmark ally them- themselves in 1380. Um, but this doesn't really affect Iceland until they start exporting a bunch of fish to Norway. Okay. And it's good fish. People like the fish in Iceland and they're like, hmm. We smell something here. We it's smell. It's a pretty major fish destination too, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, people sniff out a profit as they are wont to do, and English merchants realize this is like really good fish, and they start showing up to fish in Icelandic waters around 1400. Denmark is like, "What are you doing?" And they try to stop this, but they don't have a strong enough navy, and we all know that England is like king of the boats. Right, that's that's the whole reason England had the empire yeah. they did is because they were unbeatable on the sea. Yes. So they're using that to get all their good fish, which <laughs> partly I don't understand because England has really good fish too. Maybe you get different kinds. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it was a whole issue. Um, leads to a whole kerfuffle between England and Denmark, which I find hilarious because now them two are fighting over a thing that kind of isn't even theirs to begin with. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Oceans are complicated because drawing borders on the... I don't know how you do that, but... Well, I wonder, anyway. too, if part of it is like the English are trying to get these fish out of Icelandic waters and then sell them back to Icelandic people. That's entirely possible. Uh, I think is possibly what we're looking at. And certainly probably to Norway also. Yeah. And probably also Denmark. And they're like, but that's ours to begin with. Yeah, I would not be surprised. Um, Then England eventually kind of loses interest because they've gone to Canada now. And Newfoundland also has really good fish. So (laughs) they just, they just pick up and, Go somewhere else and start eating our lobsters instead. Um, They're good lobsters. They are. They are. (laughs) If you're ever in Canada, I mean, I've never been, but I've heard you have to go to the East Coast and you have to eat fish and potatoes. Yes. Um, So then it's the Middle Ages. And this is not as good of a time for Iceland. For starters, the, the landscape is... Mostly, I mean, the parts that aren't being grazed by cattle and sheep are um, 
the home to a lot of birch trees is the main kind of tree that you find in Iceland. And these were all cut down because they're good for making charcoal. And this, along with a lot of animals eating the grass, leads to a lot of soil erosion. And then there are a number of climate shifts, which make it really difficult to grow grain, and people just kind of give up doing that. Um, and so everybody is hungry. Then also, the church and a bunch of rich people buy up a lot of the land and then make the regular farmers pay them to use it in that lovely medieval structure that we all like so much. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a little capitalist action here. <laughs> it's more feudal. Feudal action. Yeah. Early capital. I don't know anyway. Um, and so basically ev everyone is starving. Yeah. Because um, it, it sucks. There's no food and then you have to pay rent to your stupid landlord guy who's like for the land you were already on to begin with. And it's not great. Then there's also the plague, which makes its rounds, <laughs> not once, but twice. Um, one time from 1402 to 1404, and then again from 1494 to 1495. What I read said that the plague basically kills off half the population both times. Jesus. And it wasn't like that many people to begin with, although it was kind of getting to be too much for what the land could support, especially with all the other problems they're having with the deforestation and the erosion. Um, so it, like, it's devastating, but also m maybe kind of necessary. Yeah. As much as I don't, like, obviously, I don't want people to die for nothing, but the, the land was kind of stretched a little bit thinner than it should have been um then the reformation uh comes along it was quite heavily resisted in iceland but eventually ended with the beheading of someone by the name of bishop john arison in 1550 and this is generally agreed to sort of mark the end of the middle ages in iceland the um danish crown then establishes something of a monopoly over trade in iceland essentially making it so that Iceland has no contact with any other nation. They do everything through um, the Danish. Okay. And even though the Danish king, Frederick III, establishes an absolute monarchy in Denmark, um, Norway, and Iceland, this doesn't sort of affect Iceland because they still have their local governments that are still controlled and are still sort of governed by their own people, at least at a local level. Yeah. Um, so as you were saying... They're still kind of doing okay because they can see their own guys are still here. Then, okay, up until the 1700s, Iceland has been pretty much a completely rural place with no major towns. Then there is an attempt to set up a wool factory in Reykjavik and make it something of an urban center. The wool factory, it seems, didn't do that great, but people still move to Reykjavik and sort of start to build their lives there. And I think now it's certainly the capital and um, the most populous okay. place. Yeah. Um, so the Danish officially settled the town, and there are at the time about 300 people living there, which is a lot considering that most people live on farms. Then in the 18th century, stuff gets kind of crappy again, and there's not a ton of enthusiasm for anything. There are 
excuse me, a number of volcanic eruptions, which cause cold weather because of the ash that covers the sky and starts a famine. Okay. So people not super thrilled by this. Then this is a fun bit. So in 1809, uh, a Danish explorer by the name of Jorgen Jorgensen, <laughs> you will see this. Everybody's name is like yeah, the thing, the thing's son. It's your father's name. Yes. Son. Yes. Yeah. Always. Um, I was reading a little bit about like naming conventions and it's, it's not the same as it is here. You, as you say, get your dad's name with son at the end. Or daughter. Yeah. Yeah. But it's history. So it's all dudes. <laughs> So Jorgen Jorgensen goes a little bit rogue and just takes control of Iceland for two months. Okay. He is ousted by the Danish who are like, what are you doing, man? But, but Icelanders don't seem to really care one way or the other. They're not particularly vocal. There's no big revolution or anything. Right. They're just kind of like, oh, okay, that's fine. Hang out with our sheep. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought that was kind of hilarious that this guy like swoops in and takes over and everyone's like, okay, like, let me know when you're done, I guess. Is one of you going to take our sheep? If not. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess he didn't want the sheep and that worked out okay. Um, he left eventually because the Danish right. were confused. <laughs> but... Anyway. I love weird little blips it's like that so in weird. history. It's so weird. And like I was... the uh, the Mexican Empire we talked about <laughs> last episode. And it's the stuff, too, that's just like lost to the sands of time often. Yeah. Um, it's not really important. Nothing kind of happens, but it's so funny. <laughs> Jorgen Jorgensen thought he could just claim Iceland and Denmark wouldn't notice. Anyway, so... A lot of this ties in with the history of Norway that I'm sure we'll get into more when we cover Norway, you know, properly. But basically, Norway gets under Swedish control, and this gives them a lot more freedoms as a nation than what they had under Denmark. So they're pretty pleased. It also, though, kind of doesn't incite anything in the Icelandic population. They don't rise up. They don't go after Denmark or anything. They're just kind of... Fine with that, too, despite that, <laughs> despite Norway seemingly having a better time uh, with Sweden controlling them than with Denmark. Um, however, in the 1830s, they do start to push back a bit. Um, they want to restore what's called the Althing, which is their original, like, governmental discussion okay. forum. Um, they would like to restore that. And because they had, right, what they had established before Norway and Denmark's arrival. Um, in 1848, Denmark starts thinking about a democracy for themselves. Um, and they, because of that, have to ask themselves some tough questions about then what happens to Iceland when they're no longer a monarchy. Right. Um, it's sort of agreed that Iceland gets to discuss how they want to handle this in an assembly with Danish representatives. This takes place in 1851. It's a complete mess and they don't decide anything. Um, this is really like a history of indecision, kind of. Anyway, <laughs> everyone then just kind of dorks around for 20 years and nothing happens. 
eventually the Icelanders decide they're going to take what Denmark is kind of willing to give them. And in 1874, the Althing is granted uh, legislative power, but only for internal affairs. So still all their like big international stuff is being controlled by Denmark. Another 30 years go by. <laughs> well, Iceland continues to like ask for full power and full independence. And they kind of don't get it until in 1901, <laughs> there are finally some political changes in Denmark that make this a possibility. Essentially, the Liberal Party comes to power. They boot the conservatives and they start like putting in place the necessary changes. In 1904, Iceland finally gets what's called home rule and political offices are opened in Reykjavik. However, they're not fully independent yet. Yeah, they they're still just operate sort under of the... allowed to govern themselves. Yes, they're still technically under the Danish crown. There is at this time a large population growth, but not that much economically. Um, they feel at this point a little left behind by the rest of Europe, who are like at this stage in the early 1900s are making like huge technological and economic gains. Um, we see like you know the booming 20s and such. Um, but Iceland isn't really feeling this. So in between 1807 and 1914, some 15,000 Iceland, Icelanders emigrate, uh, most of them actually to Canada. They come to cool. Newfoundland for the most part, which makes a lot of sense. I do um, think outside of Iceland, Canada has the largest population of Icelandic speakers. Yeah, I didn't look it up, but it would, it would make a lot of sense because of, because of this particularly. Um, the early to mid-1900s then see a lot more development in terms of technology and education and labor laws. They do a lot of reforms. Like, everybody has to go to school, and they institute a lot of, um, what are those, the, the guilds? Not the guilds. Anyway, something like that. <laughs> in England, they have guilds. Right. I'm not sure what you're getting at. It's some labor stuff. It's good. It's better for the people. Are you talking about unions? I don't know if it's... I don't think they called it unions exactly. Okay. But anyway, something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> then, then Iceland gets hit pretty hard by the Great Depression. Um, and they really only recover from that in World War II. And right. After. As many of us did. As many of us did. Um, World War II causes a significant rift in their relationship with Denmark, as Denmark is occupied by Germany and Iceland is occupied by England. Um, right. Later, the U.S. actually show up and take over Iceland, and they station a bunch of their guys there. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, me neither. And then this actually really helps boost the economy by bringing in a bunch of jobs. Honestly, war is it's like great. amazing for economy. For the economy. Often, yeah. Which I really wish Especially it in the short term. Wasn't, like, yeah. Yeah. And then Iceland finally is made formally independent in June of 1944, at that point, breaking all ties with Denmark. Right. But it happens quite late. Like 1944 was pretty recent. Anyway, so that's really all I had for the history, because after that, we really just get into the modern times. I have a few fun facts to share with you today. Um, the first is that the modern Icelandic language is remained has remained basically unchanged. It is so similar to Old Norse that people can still read the sagas. Oh, really? The, yeah. I didn't know that. I That's know, isn't cool that so as hell. Cool? It basically hasn't changed because it's so isolated. The language like showed up and it stuck. It's so interesting. That's really fascinating. Yeah. I, I had no idea. It was so 
I, I knew it was like an old, unique language. I didn't know it was so similar to Old Norse. That's yes, really it's, fascinating. It's like right next door, pretty much unchanged. And I find it so interesting because I remember like doing our English degree and reading all of that, like the Old English and the Middle English and like some of it you can kind of. Yeah. Well, and it's fascinating it to out, see but... when people can sort of speak across languages like that mm, like we went yeah. to school with both a guy who spoke russian and a guy who spoke serbian yeah. and they could sort of converse with each <laughs> other in their like respective second languages yeah yeah that's interesting um i remember also reading like the canterbury tales and if you just read it on the paper it's nothing but if you read it out loud yeah then it's like oh i hear this now and you can hear how the words are just like shaped a little bit differently and organized a little bit differently Anyway, language is very cool. This, I thought, was just, like, the funnest of all fun facts. Um, not ever, but still very No, fun. that's that's very, very cool. Um, sort of in keeping with this, the population is also extremely homogenous. Um, pretty much everyone can trace themselves in some way back to the first settlers who came from Norway. Cool. Yeah. There's, like, a little bit trickles from, like, England and stuff, but for the most part. Sure. I'm sure there's been immigrants and stuff, but... But not a lot. Yeah. There's it's not a particularly like i would love to go to iceland it's it's near the top of my list of countries i'd like to visit but you can see why it wouldn't be an attractive worldwide immigration destination yes no it's a bleak ass <laughs> country it yes um yes so <laughs> i was trying to read up about some famous people and i didn't know any of them except Bjork is Icelandic. Yes. Yeah, which I think most people probably know, but in case you didn't, Bjork is Icelandic. Um, in the early 2000s, Iceland also elected the world's first gay prime minister, uh, name of, I don't know. Give it your best shot. Was it going to be Johanna, though, or Johanna? Probably the soft J, if I had to guess. Okay, so it's probably Johanna Sigurardotter? Cool. I think. Um, <laughs> who is also Iceland's first female prime minister and also got tasked with the really shitty job of governing during the economic thing majig in like 2008, 2009. Right. Um, so she was around for that, which I feel bad for her. It <laughs> was a hard time to be in office. Um, so although Iceland is a very cold place and they have and quite like a bleak landscape um, and they have that that 24 hour nighttime thing mm -hmm. that you get when you go up north, um, they have less extremes than we have here in Canada, for example. Right. Like, it's very stable. Yes. So usually it, the temperature ranges from about minus eight at the coldest um, to about 11 degrees Celsius okay. at the warmest. I think that tends to be the case in islands like water is very stabilizing on temperature yes i was reading also something about the currents they get like obviously a cold arctic one and also somehow like a tropical one sure too currents so, are wild uh, yeah i don't know <laughs> i don't pretend to understand this stuff it just put shove it in with the plate tectonics and don't worry about it that much um but i thought it was interesting that like obviously the it would snow a lot and there but it also rains i think a fair bit too with the temperatures above zero but that here in canada like we get well ontario at least like plus 40 to minus 40 easy over the course of a year um and how geographically we're not really that far away but it's a completely different thing so anyway they also have in iceland um 
a type of horse called Icelandic horses. And I'm kind of a horse nerd, so I found this. I mean, I kind of knew this. I thought it was very interesting. They are descendants directly from the horses brought by the Vikings. And again, because of this kind of island situation, have really not changed that much. Right. Um, they've been kind of isolated and maybe inbred a little bit. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> but these horses are unusual because they have five gates instead of the usual four. So oh. most horses can do walk, trot, canter, gallop. Um, it would seem that Icelandic horses can do all of that. And then they have an extra gate um, called the flying gate, which I was watching a video of this. It's something. And they're so little and compact and seemingly can still be ridden by full-sized adults. That's fascinating. We'll definitely put a link it's to that video wacky. in the show notes. We will put it. It's quite something. Um, and then finally, I just wanted to add that the national bird is called the gear falcon. Which is a cool name. That is a good name. And it's a funny little puffin looking <laughs> little puffin looking bird. Um, it looks like a cartoon character. They're really cute. Well, we will make sure to get a picture of that too, because that's always worth having. Yes. Um, so before we listen to our anthems, I will talk just briefly about the food that we are going to be making yeah, today. I'm really looking forward to this one. Me too. I'm a little nervous because it's just different from what I usually cook. Um, it's called Plockfisker. <laughs> Again, sorry for butchering every single piece of pronunciation in this thing. Although I think I said, who's the guy? Jorgensen? I think I said that right. Anyway. <laughs> so, so this is um, a fish and potato stew that from what I read is kind of one of those things that varies a lot depending on who makes it for you. And it's kind of one of those like, Every grandma's makes it a little bit differently kind of a situation. Okay. So I'm going to make this recipe that I found online where the author fully admits to this. <laughs> that it's very different depending who you get. Um, the, it's, not, it's not spiced much. It's quite bland. So I'm going to make kind of the bland version and then I figure we can pepper it up afterwards if we yeah, need to. Yeah, for sure. Um, essentially, you cook fish and you cook potatoes and then you mix them in like a milk-based broth with onions. Basically. Can't wait. It's going to be pretty good. It's supposed to be kind of practical and straightforward. It's the thing you do with like your leftover fish. Yeah. Excuse me. And your leftover potatoes. You kind of chop them all up and chuck them in together. So we'll see how that is. Um, the anthem is quite unusual, I think. And the story behind it is quite interesting. So I'm excited to get into that after too. Great. We will do that right after the break then. Okay. Sounds good.
Hello and welcome back. So, we have just listened to the national anthem of Iceland, Ogovors Lands, or Our Country's God. Not to be confused with the play Our Country's Good. Which which is what you'll get if you try to Google the title <laughs> of the lyrics. Yeah, I um, when I read it at first, I was like, there's no way this is the same name as that weird play. <laughs> Their national anthem <laughs> is just the full text of this play about the founding of Australia. <laughs> Yeah, no, I sort of wish that, but it's not true. Um, So this one actually has a pretty good story. Cool. About it. Um, So the song was originally a hymn, which is fair because like when I I listened to it before I read about how it was a hymn first and I sat there and I thought this sounds like church music, even though I don't understand. I mean, the lyrics, we'll get into it in the ratings, but the lyrics are so religious. So religious. So you'll remember that I said that Christianity caught on real good. Yes, as it did in many of our island nations. Yeah, so (laughs) clearly that makes itself known here. Um, It was written originally for celebrations that took place in 1874, which were to celebrate the millennium of Iceland's settlement. Um, this is also, you'll remember, still during the occupation of um, uh, the Danish. Okay. And I think at that point, at least Norway anyways, basically they're still, they're not independent. What year the, was independence again? 44. 44. 1944. Okay. Um, so not for like a long time to come yet. And I was kind of interested to see that this anthem didn't come out of independence, as many, many, most of them do. Yeah. Um, It's the overwhelming theme is you get your independence and you write an anthem. Um, So for this celebration, which I guess was a whole thing, the Bishop of Iceland decreed that everyone should primarily use Psalm 90, verses 1 to 4 and 12 to 17, in their celebratory sermons, I suppose. (laughs) <laughs> sort of the 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 hashtags for the celebration. Yeah. 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 Hashtag Psalm 90, everyone. <laughs> now, I'm not really a Bible knowledge person. Sure. Do you know anything about Psalm 90? Psalm 90 specifically? No, I don't. Okay, cool. Neither do I. Um, the I d- Psalms in general are sort of standalone poems about how great God is. Like, it's not... It's not a, a book of stories like many of the books in yeah. the Bible are. It's it's a book of psalms, of of basically like old ass hymn hymns that have been transcribed into English. Yeah. Yeah. I knew they were kind of standalones. I hear people sometimes talk about like their favorite psalm is like what it's the same way they talk about like Shakespeare sonnets. Yeah. Um, but I'm not really that well read but many of the books in the bible if we're talking about like a specific chapter like that Mm. it's gonna be like the part where this happens which is not the case in psalms for sure for sure um so the psalm this particular one psalm 90 um inspired the icelandic poet uh reverend matthias jokumson (laughs) sorry about that um he is a beloved Icelandic poet. Okay. Everybody loved him. And he wrote the lyrics for what is now their national anthem. Uh, and music was composed by Svenbjorn Svenbornsson. <laughs> is his name? Super Watching creative one the, there. The looks of utter <laughs> dread that cross your face before you have to say these names is really entertaining. Oh uh, yeah. I think I think that's the last one I have to say. 
that's confusing for me. So anyway, he, he composed the music um, and also incidentally lived most of his life in Edinburgh and was okay. actually living there at the time that he wrote this. Interesting. Um, he was listed at least in the, okay. I got all of this information off the like government of Iceland Okay. Page, which I thought was interesting that they had a whole like Yeah, from what I could see they had a lot more than than most governments have, have to talk about lot. their anthem. They were really like here for the anthem with a special web page and everything. Um so But you were also saying you couldn't find a lot of public performances of it, which is a really interesting twist on that. We're going to get into that a little bit. There is I think something of a reason for it. Okay. Okay, um, sure. So so, uh, what was I saying about, oh yes, about Svien Bjorn, um, who, <laughs> who wrote the music and was listed on the government website as being one of the first, like, sort of career musicians in Iceland, okay. which I thought was interesting. Um, this hymn was performed for King Christian the Ninth, I know Roman numerals, of Denmark, um, who came to visit for the occasion. Um, they played it for him. And although Iceland, they didn't get their, um... Sorry, although Iceland didn't gain independence for some time, uh, the hymn was still sung in public and sort of casually without being an official national anthem, quote unquote, per se. Uh, It was first sung as the national anthem in December of 1918. And it is interestingly, I was reading um, a song with a very wide range or range requirements vocally yeah. which you can hear if you, you listen can to definitely the, hear it yeah so it's very hard for people to just physically sing it which i think is also interesting because most of the anthems we listen to are sort of easy to sing on purpose right it's almost along the same sort of ethos as like a protest song yeah, where like exactly. the whole idea is you want people to be able to assemble and sing it easily yes it's meant to be accessible but this one Kind of isn't. I think because it wasn't written intentionally as an anthem right. to begin with. So there was no motivation. This guy just wants to write a good piece of music. Screw your vocal range <laughs> <laughs> and the vocal range of your neighbors. Um, but they also, too, like haven't come up with anything else that is easier to sing. No one has said we need to reform the anthem. They're just happy with it the way it is. Okay. So <laughs> everybody in Iceland is okay not being able to sing their anthem. Most of the time, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> also, <laughs> in 1983, the Icelandic parliament passed an act so that the anthem cannot be performed, quote, in any other form than the original, which oh. I take to mean that you don't like you're never going to get a rap break. Right. That sucks. And it's written into the law, essentially, that that's the case, which I think is why there's not that many versions that makes me want to record a bunch of weird versions of the icelandic anthem i mean i don't think there's any reason you can't i know (laughs) they can't do shit to me about it that's true that's true you will maybe get a strongly worded letter i don't know (laughs) cease and desist stop rapping our anthem that's really bizarre. It is. It is. Um, I think that's the first time we've heard anything like that. Too. Although I wouldn't be surprised to learn again. Sorry, Bruni's folks to keep <laughs> bullying up on you. I wouldn't be surprised to learn that was also the case with Brunei because there really does yeah, seem to be one official nothing. recording. Maybe it's just so long. Everybody falls asleep before they can finish the recordings. <laughs> Sorry, Brunei again. Anyway. Um, also, there's another 
law that you can't use it for advertising or commercial purposes. Okay. So you can't have the national anthem jingle for your chocolate bar. Right. Which I think at least with the U.S. anthem, I think you definitely can. Can't you? I don't know. They use that shit all over the place. Right. If I want to go on (laughs) my Super Bowl ad and sell the most patriotic toilet paper, I'm pretty sure I've got carte blanche to just put the Star Spangled Banner in that ad. Yeah. Maybe we need to look more into like copyright law and... National anthems? Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's interesting that there is something on the books in Iceland, though. Which also makes me think that somebody tried, and they were like, no, no, you cannot do that. (laughs) Like the one time someone, you know, drives a motorcycle through the mall, and then they have to put up a sign that's like, no motorcycles in the mall, please and thank you. (laughs) And everyone else is like, "How did? why? Why do we need that, and how did you come up with it? Um, Another intriguing thing is that on the government website where i got all this information they have also several links two of which i used to um versions of the anthem that have been recorded um and also musical notation for all kinds cool choirs musical instruments symphonies i guess you kind of have to if there's one official (laughs) version that you're only allowed to use that one i think so you sort of have to provide it (laughs) yep it seems they have maybe like arranged it a little bit to be more compatible for singers sure maybe there was a specific link for men's choirs okay which maybe they like adjusted it a little bit i don't know yeah there's no reason Um, you can't just play it in a different key yeah yeah so although maybe there fucking is (laughs) <laughs> so that's that's a little bit what i have about the icelandic national anthem cool um which i thought was just fascinating and a little bit different from what we normally talk about yeah that's a really unique um, one which is cool overall this has been a really unique it is like history for the whole thing but it is i think a unique place and kind of doesn't have the opportunity to blend into the places around it because it's so isolated yeah um it's sort of forced to be its own thing well and doesn't have any sort of historical ties like there's no one who's like our people are from are from there like that's no one's from there a volcano under the ocean erupted and now there's a place people arrived at (laughs) Yeah, it was a little bit like Saotome and Principe like that. Yeah. Although with fewer... Played human, out a little better. Yeah, fewer human rights violations, as I mentioned earlier. So, shall we get into some ratings? Yeah, I think so. So first, let's talk about the lyrics, which are so religious. So religious. And so I do think God there's stuff. some really lovely writing here, but they're they're so God-filled. Like Yes. Yes, the imagery is beautiful. And just some of the turns of phrase are are really lovely here. I love this um, this first verse here. The each each thousand of years but a day, I think, is such a lovely yeah. bit. But um, yeah, I think they're a little one note is my biggest complaint about these lyrics. I do find the verses kind of blend into each other a little bit. Yeah, they do. Um, Particularly those first and second verses are almost in- indistinguishable from another, just like reading through them. They yeah. they really blend together for me. Yeah. I, um, I think I'm going to go... I think I'm going to go for a seven on these lyrics. Seven? Okay. And 
I'm going to go, I think, for a six. Yeah. Yeah. Music. Okay, I think the music is really beautiful. Oh, I think the music is spectacular. Easily this anthem's biggest strength. I was listening to the vocal version we that I showed you. And oh, and it's an amazing choir, too. It's so, too. like, ethereal and just kind of magical and transporting i don't know i don't really have any bad stuff to say about the yeah music. it works really beautifully like that that performance too of them because there's no accompaniment for the no. choir it's it's just a standalone choral piece and it's so beautifully done the music really goes a long way on this one i think it's a really gorgeous composition yeah this is a 10 for me i think yeah yeah, yeah i might be joining you there okay background the background is really interesting. It's weird and cool. Yeah. My my only complaint about the background is I I want a little more drama. Yeah, it's true. Uh, <laughs> it's true. It's not terribly dramatic, but But there's there's a lot there, and it's a unique path it took to becoming an anthem, which is really cool. That is true. Um, I think I'm gonna go for an eight and a half here. Eight and a half? I was gonna go nine for background as i agree it is a little like lackluster yeah slightly. like even in their history there obviously there are there are differences and i don't want to put all of canada's history on them but there's <laughs> a lot of parallels i thought with canada in the way that they mm. sort of quietly kept asking for their independence yeah how about now <laughs> now it's been like 20 years. Do you think maybe we could talk about independence again? Except we and have... Sorry, finish what you're saying. Well, I just... Uh, I I feel probably two countries that interact more with Iceland than we do. I would not be surprised to learn they have a similar reputation that like Canadians do in America. Yeah, it's where like the cute... The cute, polite, <laughs> apologizing folks... Yeah. Uh, I think there's a bit of that, and I, I'm always going to want more drama when that's the way the story plays out on such an epic scale. We have the drama of the jumbo-sized genocide we've had going on. Well, that's on. why I said I didn't want to put all of Canada's history <laughs> okay. on them. Just Because Iceland doesn't have the genocide. No, and I'm not trying to even like legitimize that reputation for Canada. No, I'm I just know. saying... The parallels that I do see, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave Iceland a similar reputation, well-deserved or not. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's probably true. Um, so, significance. It's not really yeah, it, about them, kind I, of. I want more about... There is no country on Earth geographically like Iceland. It is yeah. a complete anomaly in the way that the country just is. Yeah. And that doesn't really get acknowledged at all here. None of the history. It's just God, God, God all the time. I will say though, it's a complicated situation because it wasn't written as an anthem. It was written that as a hymn. So they didn't know ahead of time. And clearly the people must be attached to it in some way because it's still their bloody national anthem, even though no one can sing it. That's fair. However, other places we've seen that had chosen other pre-existing things to become their anthem, they chose things that held 
I think all of those places have scored like nine or ten on significance because they chose things that held phenomenal significance to the culture. Yeah, that's true. Or they rewrote it so that it yeah, like, fit better. Yeah, if we, I, I know it's no longer in first place, but if we look at Slovenia as yeah. an example of a pre-existing nation, they chose this revolutionary mm-hmm. poem that kept coming up at all of the most important times in their history. And I don't know, it, this for me is lacking some of that. If we were to go through the grand tradition of Icelandic poetry, I guarantee you we could find 2025 20, pieces from the same stretch of time that would make for me, at least better lyrical anthems in terms of, acknowledging what is unique and special about this country because i think it's such a unique and special country and maybe that's coloring my view a bit but i i think too i don't know like i i agree with you i think they could have maybe picked better or different or something but i also don't know like it's not their fault they didn't have a revolution no. In the same way that other places no, did. No, and it doesn't need to be a revolution. I just wanted to talk about, you know, volcanoes or yeah. ice <laughs> or whatever. Like Those funny horses. That <laughs> yeah, I, I want some of the... It's, it's such a unique country. There's so many things you can talk about that no one else can really talk about in the same way. Yeah. And none of that gets acknowledged. We've all got God. That's sort of the <laughs> point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. I think, though, this is one of the the more contentious, significant, like, significance conversations we've had to have. Okay. Maybe. The others are pretty straightforward. This one, there are, there are sides to this argument. I agree. I, I do think there are sides to the argument. I just think I'm going to score it quite low. I'm interested to hear what else you have to say. Yeah, I think here's the thing. Although I think it's kind of justified in that it was not written as an anthem to begin with. And they didn't have like a big revolutionary independence like some other places did. Many other places did. At the same time, it kind of doesn't do that much for me. I don't get a sense of the people from that's that's really what I'm saying. More so, than like not having a revolution, they lost those points on background story more than yeah, anything. That's true. <laughs> but that's true. Uh, so I think ultimately I'm probably gonna land somewhere close to where you are. Yeah, I think I'm going probably about a three and a half on significance for this one. Three and a half. Okay. Okay. I was gonna go five. Okay. X factor. There is some. There is some. It's not blowing me out of my seat, Mm -hmm. but I think I would give it. It's such a gorgeous composition that it's it's going to gain a a good few points that way. I think I'm going to go for a six here. Six. Okay. That seems fair. I'm going to go seven on this one. All right. Let's total those up then. All right. Okay, so that gives us a total of 72. That's so not a bad score. Above average. Yeah. Well above average. But um, not cracking our number one either. Definitely not. No. 
So yeah, that's that's probably around where I thought that was going to land. Yeah, I'm interested too to listen to more national anthems from the geographical area. Is this is really our first foray into, well, not Europe, but the North. Maybe that's how we can break it down when we start getting into like the final scores. Because I think when we finally gone through and given all of these their scores, we got to do like a playoff bracket or something. Okay, yeah, that so, sounds great. <laughs> so I think we divide it by like geographical region and go from there. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Aaron, we didn't talk about the food yet. Oh my God, it was delicious. The Plockfisker. <laughs> yes, yes. I was also quite impressed. I was a little hesitant because it's very simple ingredients. Yeah. It's just like the recipe is like put the flour in with the onions and the butter and then add milk. And I was like, that's it. it just, you add the milk and then you put the potatoes in the fish and you stir it around a little bit and there you go. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very straightforward. Nice and cheap, too, if you have fish left over. No, it was, um, it was very, very tasty. I'm a big clam chowder fan is one of my big comfort foods. And this is similar enough to that. It was good. We had it with some garlic toast. It was more flavorful, honestly, than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, we put um, lots of pepper in there, too. We did. We did. And I also put in half a chicken cube that was not called for. Yeah. Um, but I think if I did it again, I might use some chicken broth also or something. That's fair. Yeah. Is that a bad call with fish? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I think you can get fish broth some places too. Yeah, that's too. probably true. You mushroom or something. Anyway. This is a conversation is... we'll have off mic. <laughs> <laughs> Kitchen ramblings with Kate and Aaron, a new podcast. Okay. Yes. Um, essentially what I'm trying to say is I made it. It was pretty good. You could make it different ways if you wanted to do that. And that's what we were talking about earlier, too, with every family sort of does it their own way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I can see how that would easily become the case with a recipe like that. Yes, absolutely. So, shall we roll for my next one? I think we should. Okay. That is going to be number 96. 96, okay. So 96 gives me... Kosovo. Kosovo. Kosovo, I think. Kosovo. Where is that? That is, I believe, down in the same former Yugoslavia region mm. that Slovenia is in. Awesome. I okay. believe. Okay. <laughs> Would you like to venture whether it is an island nation? It's definitely not an island nation if I'm right about where it is. Okay. If I'm wrong about where it is, it could be fucking anything. Okay. Um I'm 99% sure though that it's it's down in like the former Yugoslavia re- region. Great. Well, that's exciting. I will learn about that in 2 weeks. Aaron, what's your what's your one for next week? My next week is going to be Switzerland. Amazing. So we'll see you then. And thanks for listening. Did we get something very wrong? Did we skip an entire part of the story that's worth mentioning? That's very likely, and we'd love to hear the correct version. Please tweet us at IAOUC podcast or send us an email at inallofuscommandpodcast at gmail.com. We record these episodes a bit in advance, so you may not hear a correction right away, but we're not too big to admit we are wrong and it will be corrected.